Aloha, I'm Ash. Aloha, I'm Matt. We are the Yoga Couple. Welcome back to another episode of the Inner Work Podcast. This episode is all about biohacking and optimization of every aspect of your life. Upgrade. Yeah, Let's me do this. and Matt are really into optimizing our life experience mm. and we're really aware of it like on a day-to-day basis. Like we like to have the best water and we we really enjoy nature and overall just health and wellness and listening to um, you know, brain waves and anything and everything that can just improve and enhance our overall body, mind, and spirit, Mm. we're really interested in trying. And we have a really interesting guest today who we'll introduce later, but he's an expert on all things optimization and biohacking. But before we get into that, I just want to share a little bit about what that means to us to just optimize our lives and um, live in a way that's, you know, our highest potential. Mm, Absolutely. And I feel like for me, my journey into this started with my own academic studies and first it was like you know studying to become a doctor like biology and and psychology but then it really took off when I got into naturopathic medical school and was exposed to concepts and ideas and practices that were so mind-blowing and and essentially all about returning back to nature and how we've become cut off from nature and um, really interesting practices that that are so simple, but I've found to be really effective. Like one of my favorites is dew treading. And all that is, is just in the morning uh, or, you know, evening, whenever there's that nice little layer of dew on the ground, on the grass, you just walk barefoot in it and it uh, connects you back to the electromagnetic field of the earth and kind of puts you in sync with the earth and kind of connects your body and wellness. And, And in fact, I remember learning in school that like, that alone can be used as like a treatment method, you know, and it has that much power in it, just walking in the dew every morning for like 10, 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, and it has this beautiful effect on us. Yeah, and the point really that I didn't say is that this optimization, this biohacking, this um, enhancing your life is really an answer or a uh, solution to the drudgery that like most of us get used to Mm. in our monotony of like waking up, kind of feeling sluggish, just going through the motions, not being self-aware, just using caffeine to kind of stimulate and give us focus and energy and just accepting that we kind of always feel blah and crappy. Right. And the awakening to the fact of, no, we're supposed to feel epic and amazing amazing. every day and how come we're not feeling epic and amazing every day what is that what's wrong what's going on with our lifestyle that is dehancing our experience instead of enhancing it and what are we going to do about it right it's really funny because it's almost like it's more so a shedding and letting go and returning back to a natural state that actually feels best kind of like the buddha concept of like when he became enlightened they're like what'd you gain he's like well i didn't gain anything i let go of xyz like all the negative things so i feel like in our health in this modern day it's actually the there's nothing really extra to do it's more so about getting rid of or eliminating things you know like walking barefoot on the earth that's the most natural thing you could do so you know it's same with like say uh, i remember when i stopped drinking soda i was a big time soda drinker my whole life as i'm sure most of us were raised to be and I remember when I you know I don't know around like 17 or something when I finally stopped like and just started drinking water that was like such a foreign concept to me of just like or you could just drink water man like you don't have to keep drinking a sugar drink or your carbonated or whatever you could literally just drink water like I remember that being so weird for a while 
But now, like, I'm so obsessed with water that we've done what, babe? We've done like PhD alkaline water testing. constantly. We've done well water. We've done we do rain catchment water. Our, now we're like to the point where water is just so natural and normal for us. And yet that has such an amazing impact. And, and it's like the most simple thing, right? So it's kind of funny as as Ash and I have explored our wellness journey, it's actually been more so about a returning back, you know, and ironically, we live so simple now. And in so many ways, though, we also feel better than we've ever felt. Right. So this episode is all about kind of getting back to our roots so that we could feel in our natural state, which is to feel good, to feel energized, to feel inspired in our day-to-day lives, and to start to pinpoint the things and the habits and the lifestyle choices we're making that might be adding to that ucky, drudgery feeling that we've all just kind of accepted as normal. How many of us just go to work and it's like another day and 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 we're not inspired and it's like acceptable to feel tired all the time and it's acceptable to feel like dreading and waiting for the weekend to come like that is mm-hmm. not our potential and this concept of biohacking and optimization is really like you said a letting go of all the things that are not good for us and a readopting of a more natural lifestyle body mind and spirit not just you know, the type of water you drink. This is an mm-hmm. overall lifestyle mm-hmm. shift. So we have Luke's story who, this guy is incredible. We're super inspired by him. He's like the king of life upgrading. He's He is somebody who has for the last, you know, two decades been experimenting with all of the things and then taken his knowledge and turned it into um, a teaching for his listeners, for his followers. He's the host of the Lifestylist podcast. He's a meditation teacher, a kundalini yoga teacher, a motivational speaker. And what he's really known for is just being a professional biohacker. And he He's just like one of those guys who has facts about everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah, anything like ailing you, he's like, oh, I probably have. An I know how to fix that. <laughs> so this episode, we're going to ask him a ton of questions on how we can just improve our lives. What are the things that are causing us this this low energy? What can we do to improve our day-to-day living? So if you're feeling like that and you want to just feel better, body, mind, and spirit, and you're have an open mind because some of his... Um, techniques and some of his information is i want to say out there but it's kind of still underground maybe you're just maybe how about just paradigm shifting paradigm shifting i like that so um yeah just buckle up and have an open mind and enjoy and enjoy because luke is a lot of fun so without further ado um let's bring him on luke story welcome to the show Aloha, Luke. We are so excited to have you on the Inner Work Podcast. Um, We've been following you for a while now, and we know that you are the king of all things optimization, so we cannot wait to dig in and find out how we can upgrade our lives on every level, body, mind, and spirit. Love it. Let's do it. Yes, I like to optimize. (laughs) That's definitely true. Yeah, and you have a really interesting story, too, you're kind of like this pioneer and you even call yourself like the human guinea pig, you know, kind of always experimenting with pretty much anything and everything that has, you know, been said to optimize health and wellness. So we just want to hear, you know, how did this journey, it's, it's almost 20 years, it's over 20 years now of experimenting. Yeah. How did, how did this begin? 
it's been god it's been 22 years or so i mean actually in a in a less healthy self-destructive way i think even before that i was i was doing a lot of experimentation looking for answers you know uh, some of the means by which i investigated those answers had some pretty severe side effects if not consequences but yeah it's been 22 years of being on the straight and narrow and a path to health and well-being that keeps getting better and better you know that's the thing i think that's the thing that keeps driving me forward is that the stuff that i try tends to work and if it works it sticks and if i don't really notice any benefit from any particular modality i discard it but the origin story would be early in life had a pretty rough childhood and so the way i coped with that was myself medicating and getting myself into all kinds of crazy trouble as a teenager and uh, eventually ended up moving to Hollywood when I was 19 and started playing in bands and just running amok in, uh, in the streets of Hollywood and having a really great time. And then that great time started to dim out and uh, the, <laughs> the will to live started to wane, I guess you could say, and things got pretty, pretty uh, grim there in my mid twenties. And so when I was 26, I hit a pretty, gnarly existential bottom of sorts and made a decision to clean up my act and get myself on the straight and narrow and and did so at, uh, at 26 years old and and really the beginning of my journey starts there uh, because I realized that what had been missing in my life was a spiritual connection and a sense of meaning and purpose and mm. uh, a sense of self-worth and true connection and love with other people and so many of the things that make a human life worth living were just missing. And so, well, I thought that I just needed to sober myself up and quit doing drugs and quit wrecking my life. Like I had been for those first few years in LA, uh, that there was a lot more to it. And I started to see that, you know, what was really missing was, as I said, a deeper connection to spirit. And so I began to go to India and learn to meditate and, doing all sorts of fasting and getting into herbalism and, um, and detoxing and getting all the toxins out of my body that I'd accumulated through those wild Hollywood years. And, uh, you know, that kind of set me off on the journey and then ended up working in the fashion and entertainment industry for a really long time and started my own fashion school called School of Style, which I still own. It's now transformed into an online school. And so I, I kind of worked on that side of the industry, which was primarily focused on external uh, beauty and aesthetics and art. And I really appreciate art and music and fashion. I love all that. But what my true inner desire has always been is just personal development and growing and evolving and um, becoming healthier and happier. And so I've just really dedicated my life to it. And as I found things to be effective, different teachings and modalities and practices over the years, I've just, you know, developed a, an equal burning desire to share them with other people who have suffered in the same ways in which I've suffered. So, you know, it's like if you have a foot that always hurts and it's been bugging the shit out of you for 10 years and you figure out how to fix it, you know, if you ever hear anyone say, hey, my foot hurts, you're like, hey, I might have some information for you. You know, and I'm, <laughs> I'm using a really simplistic version of that. It would be more like, oh, wow, I'm suicidally depressed or I'm obese or um, have brain damage or PTSD or trauma or any sort of psychological, mental, spiritual, emotional, physical uh, malady, 
anything that I've been able to work through, I just feel this deep yearning to help other people overcome that and to alleviate suffering. And so what this has kind of turned into after all of these years is me discovering different ways of healing myself and then demonstrating or modeling those practices for other people in an effort to help them be able to heal themselves. Mm. And so I'm first and foremost a self-healer and secondarily a healer of others. Beautiful. Well, I so applaud awesome. you for yeah. for doing that. Thank you. Thank you for more. going through it first for yes. <laughs> modeling it for us. Um, you've tried yeah. some some really well, interesting things. Yeah, it's a weird it's a weird life, man, to to live. I mean, for me, subjectively, sometimes I just I think because I've lived in the same city so long too, I can look back at different touch points in my journey and at so many dark times early on, and now I I just live in so much uh, abundance and peace and joy and love and i just have such a great life you know i was sitting out in my backyard earlier doing another interview and uh, i live in an area called laurel canyon which is one of the better areas to live in la if you like trees and a little bit of quiet <laughs> you know the occasional deer coming through the yard and whatnot and i'm just sitting out there going, god man i'm so fortunate to have come so far and um in the beginning, it was really just all of these practices and all of the, I guess, you know, um, the word might be, you know, living kind of a devotional and very dedicated life, mm. a very disciplined life in a sense, self-disciplined, um, was in the beginning just for my own survival. And then as I started to get some relief and find some fulfillment within myself and to really just kind of relax into it a bit, I began to have the energy and the drive to be of service to other people. And that's, um, you know, that's really when life gets sweet, when you get the memo that helping other people is really the key to lasting happiness and fulfillment. But if you don't have anything to give, that's difficult. And for mm. the early part of my life, I was pretty bankrupt, you know, and, and had to live in a complete a mode of survival and selfishness and self-centeredness and narcissism uh, just because my level of consciousness was so low that um, survival was kind of the only energy I could muster. and There was nothing left over for anyone. So to have arrived at a place where I've been able to cultivate, generate enough energy and positivity to be able to share some of that with others is just fantastic. I mean, I feel like I've won the lottery of life already and I'm only 48. <laughs> right. I, I love that when you're, what you're saying too just reminds me of um, the saying like uh, the greater the darkness, the, the brighter the dawn. You know, and it really right, sounds right. like your life has really embodied that of, of through your trials of, of the darkness, you've, you've awakened such, you know, glorious light and are now shining that onto the world. Um, I really want to hear because uh, you have done fascinating things. What are some of the most interesting things you've tried just so our listeners can kind of get a feel of how when we say, you know, you are uh, a total pioneer and, and you will try it, um, just so we can kind of, our listeners can get a feel for just how extreme and how epic you have gone uh, in lengths. Well, you know, there's there's um, there's so many things and there's, and the things, I guess, by things, I just mean different modalities or teachings or practices. There's so many things and they, they run the gamut from... Mm, practices or techniques that just bring you back into alignment with nature that are largely free that are of the mostly physical realm and then there's all the metaphysical science of mind and really working on purifying one's thought life 
and then there's the spiritual life, which is connecting to one's higher self or a higher power or a higher order of intelligence and uh, creativity and love. And so what I've found is that there's different practices for all of those different elements of the human experience and one without the others is incomplete. And so it's really about finding a balance between those. So in describing them and listing some of the ones that are most effective, they need to be sort of categorized in order for them to make sense, at least for me, because there's there's probably 150 things I do every day, you know, to, to have life be experienced uh, in the ways that I described, which are becoming exceedingly more pleasurable and fulfilling. And uh, some of them are really simple, like getting outdoors and remembering that the sun gives life. The sun doesn't, you know, uh, take away from life. And many of us have been brainwashed to think that the sun is there to kill you. <laughs> you know, literally people are like <laughs> afraid to be in the sun. You know, that said, obviously, if you're fair-skinned and you're not acclimated and you don't have what we call a solar callus, you don't want to be reckless about your exposure to the sun. And it depends on your proximity to the equator and all of that. But just as a general concept that getting natural light in our eyes and on our skin is one of the most profound things we can do for our health and our sense mm. of connection to the cosmos. And at the root of, I think, most human pathology, especially the pathology on the physical level, just has to do with our disconnection from nature. And it's only been, I mean, I guess if you include agriculture, we would go back 10, perhaps 12,000 years. But if you just go back a couple hundred years with the advent of the incandescent light bulb and the uh, proliferation of electricity in our homes and these types of things, we've exceedingly moved away from nature and into a very domesticated, sheltered way of life. And so, so many of the practices that have been really powerful to me are just practices that you could sum up as saying rewilding ourselves, you know, and a lot of this I, I learned from my friend Daniel Vitalis. Sometimes I forget to give him credit because he's really the first one that opened my eyes to sort of the precursor to biohacking is just realizing uh, what the problem is and then looking for solutions. And the problem that most of us face is just that we live inside these toxic cubes where we're cut off from the elements and we're cut off from natural light. And um, I think people don't realize if you're inside of a, building or a car or behind sunglasses or contacts or uh, prescription glasses, you're not experiencing natural light. You know, you walk into a house, you go, oh, this is great. There's so much natural light in here. There's no such thing as natural light indoors if there's a window present. So mm. um, this is one of the main problems that we have because our circadian rhythm and even our neurotransmitters and our mood and our hormones, so much is regulated by our eyes and skin getting exposed to natural light. So that, to me, is one of the most um, profound changes one could make is just really making an effort then rather than hiding from the sun to actually get out mm. in the sun or at least natural light, even indirect sun as much as possible, especially early in the morning and late at night. And then really utilizing, I'm going to start kind of with the free natural alignment pieces here and then you know it gets much weirder <laughs> when you involve tech and plant medicines and all the other things that are so amazing to integrate but just for a basic foundation i think it's really important for people to get exposure to and uh, find some meaning in the ones that are free and largely available to everyone um, not excluding people that haven't tapped into their abundance consciousness and are still living with financial limitations etc which is something i've worked on extensively and still continue to but moving on into the next one um, would be exposing ourselves to hot and cold. 
I think this is something that we have done to ourselves uh, again with the advent of indoor heat and air conditioning we tend to live at 68 to 70 degrees and there aren't that many places on the planet where we've evolved to live with no seasons year-round right Mm. and so something that's been profoundly useful to me is to actually create seasons throughout my day by going in an infrared sauna or as i said getting out in the hot sun in southern california taking ice baths doing cryotherapy really forcing myself to feel physically uncomfortable and build that resilience into my nervous system and um you know doing things that humans have been doing for a couple million years like jumping in frozen rivers and lakes and things like that and there are things that seem strange to other people like god why would you jump in i was just up in shasta jumping in a river every day that was like 44 degrees and i was like man you're crazy and to me i live in this parallel universe sort of where to me it's crazy to not do that like how can you not have that human experience and be connected to nature and mm-hmm. not to mention all the scientifically valid health benefits of cold exposure for example um, you know the increase in norepinephrine and serotonin and the uh, anti-inflammatory effects and on and on and on so um, you know hot and cold therapy uh, sun exposure, eliminating blue light at night, changing all of the lighting in your house to incandescent amber lighting and not turning on any white or blue light at night and covering up everything, including your refrigerator, cell phone, computer, anything that emits a, a, a cool temperature of light after the sun goes down, just stopping that, which seems mm-hmm. radical to some people. To me, what seems radical is seeing blue light at night, which indicates to your brain that it's noon when it's actually 12 a.m., not 12 p.m., right? So looking into your phone at 12 a.m. tells your brain that it's noon. I mean, that's like how scrambled your biology becomes by that. So to Mm -hmm. me, that's weird. (laughs) People find me weird because you walk in my house and it's all amber at night. My phone's red. My computer's red. I've put red tape over anything that emits a little blue LED light. I mean, I'm obsessive about it, but I I think I'm the normal one, you know? Uh, It's just like the example I always give in terms of like who's the weirdo is the fact that we call natural food organic food and it has this special designation, yet we call food that's been sprayed with poison that's known to cause cancer and birth defects, we call that conventional food. It's Mm. like we really live in many ways in an upside-down, backwards world Mm. where, uh, you know, white is black and black is white. And so... I'm just into the mindset of really thinking outside of the box. Uh, On to another great um, natural, free, health-enhancing practice, and that is breath work, uh, which I discovered through doing kundalini yoga for many years, of which now I'm a teacher and um, you know a practitioner of. And there's so many different ways in which human beings have discovered to breathe that can have profound effects on your consciousness and um, physiology. So working with the elements, you know, working with fire, working with air, working with grounding, being barefoot as much as possible in nature when it's safe to do so. These kind of things that really bring us back into alignment with our uh, mothership, Mm -hmm. you know, and really making that connection. So those are just like the foundational pieces in life. And with that, I'll also include drinking water from the earth i'm a huge fan of drinking spring water and when i'm fortunate enough to do so the only water i drink is hand collected spring water from the mountains Mm. i go get it myself if i can't get someone else to bring it over and uh, so i'm really really um, just completely 
passionate about putting high quality, untouched, just pristine natural water in my body as much as I can. So on the natural side, that, and, um, and I'll add into that really making sleep a, a meaningful practice in life, just really putting a lot of energy into getting good quality sleep on a regular basis. Then when you move into kind of the, the other side of it, you have the biohacking side, and you could divide that up into plant medicines, which would include Ayurvedic herbs, Chinese herbs, uh, Native American herbs, medicinal mushrooms, psychoactive plants, fungi, ayahuasca, the mushrooms, all of that stuff, kava, um, kratom. Like there's so many great plant medicines that have physical benefits, psychoactive benefits, spiritual benefits. There's a whole division of those things, combo frog. Um, shamanic medicines, rituals, ceremonies, that whole side of it. Then you have the mm-hmm. technological side of it, which is, you know, red light therapy, uh, PEMF therapy, uh, working with noble gases with rife frequencies, uh, molecular hydrogen inhalation, just all sorts of different, you know, cold lasers, all the different techie biohacking gadgets that essentially take elements of nature and amplify them and put them in your hand for a few thousand dollars Mm -hmm. uh, that you can use. Like right now I I hurt my elbow. Like, I don't know if it's from playing guitar or uh, working with them, you know, like a track pad or lifting weights or whatever. My right elbow hurts. So your average person might go to the doctor and get a steroid injection or put some cream on there or something like that. But I use a really expensive medical grade cold laser on my elbow and chances are if i stick to it in about two weeks i'll have completely healed my elbow so you know to wow. me that's, <laughs> yeah it's, so to someone that might seem like oh that's really radical or why would you spend that money but i mean think about the cost of a surgery on your elbow when you're in your 70s or something you know so i'd rather just get a five thousand dollar laser and use it anytime i break something to fix myself instead of having to be dependent on the system and I think a, a lot of these practices also, when it comes to the physical side, well, and metaphysical, really, I mean, I guess if you have a mental disorder like PTSD, depression, anxiety, insomnia, you might end up, you know, taking the big pharma route um, with its side effects and obvious consequences or learning how to treat yourself. And I think just learning how to have a sense of autonomy and taking responsibility for my own life and my own health and sense of well-being, it's very empowering you know, to get out of the victim role. So Mm. instead of whining about how my elbow hurts, well, why don't I just do some research and figure out how to fix tendonitis or tennis elbow or whatever, you know, and do some deep research on how to treat yourself and not even be dependent on a practitioner to have to go pay them $150 to laser my elbow when I could just save up and fix it myself, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like you, you know, like regardless of whether you're interested in just like, starting to make healthy life choices or you're interested in going all the way down the rabbit hole that anybody who comes to you or is listening to you and and following you can really get all the information to really optimize every level of their lives. And I'm resonating so much with everything you said about the light affecting us and the water. Um, We unintentionally, we didn't like do this on purpose, but we ended up out in the middle of Hawaii and we live in a like a hallway that's just screened in. We don't have like don't walls have and windows. windows. It's funny you said even if you have windows that affects it. And it's yeah, and we didn't intentionally like realize what that was going to do to us. And we drink well water straight, you know, from the well. Yes, and yeah. um, my life, like in the past year and a half of living this way, I 
I feel better than I've ever felt in my entire life. And the only thing that's changed is where I'm sleeping and the water I'm drinking and pretty much just being outdoors. Like we are 24 seven because we don't have Mm -hmm. walls. And I tell Matt all the time when we're sleeping, the moonlight is just like right there. Like it's just, it's on us. And I had never felt that before growing up, you know, in a, in a, city. And it's amazing, you know, what that could just do to your overall well-being on such a subtle level. I was just listening to you say all that and feeling like, yes, yes, I I feel that deeply. (laughs) And and we don't have Wi-Fi very well out here. We have to Uh, walk so far away to get the internet. Yeah. Yeah, that's Well, just as as an aside, you know, in terms of the natural light, something I recently learned and, you know, and I have to give credit to all the people that have learned all this stuff. I mean, I didn't figure any of this shit out. I learned it from interviewing at this point over 200 experts on my podcast, the lifestylist podcast and asking them about degenerative diseases and mental disorders and mental health and spiritual disconnection and all of the things that I've covered. And one thing I recently learned was that if you just if you even if you live in if you're inside a building with a window closed even if you open the window and there's still a screen like that fills the light with natural light and as you ride in your car even if you just crack a window the mm. sun the power of sunlight is so bright i mean we have no ideas compared to like indoor lighting or something like that i mean it's like a minuscule facsimile of the power of the radiance of the sun and so even if you just crack a window wherever you are mm-hmm. that natural light's going to come in and eclipse all the fake light that's being created by having the light come through mm-hmm. a window mm-hmm. yeah, i was gonna another... ask you like what yeah, go ahead. so we you know obviously we're living a really weird lifestyle <laughs> same way you said that people think it's weird and it sounds like you are too what, what would you recommend to someone who's like, you know, they're in New York City, it's probably not going to change, they're like in it. What are some things that they can just start doing right now to get them more connected to, to the earth? The number one thing you've got to do, especially if you live in a city, and uh, I'm in the process of doing this myself, although I don't know how deep I'll take it because I'm leasing a house, I'll probably wait to go full until I buy a place, which will hopefully be soon. But I, I honestly think the number one thing you can do, especially if you live in a, a brutal city like New York City or a really dense, densely populated area like that. By brutal, I just mean it's brutal on your, your biology. I mean, it's fun. I love New York City. It's, it's a great place to visit. But um, is you have to get an EMF assessment of your home, meaning mm. you have someone come in and they tell you uh, – the levels of your Wi-Fi, how many you know cell towers that you live near, um, if you have smart meters on your building, all this kind of stuff, the wiring in your house, whether you have dirty electricity, if there's a magnetic field being created from um, bad wiring in the house, there's a lot of issues that can go wrong, especially in older homes and apartment buildings, and sometimes even in newer ones where people just cut corners when they're building or they don't know any better. But um, I truly believe that the the health crisis that we are currently facing and are about to face on a scale of much greater magnitude with the uh, rollout of the 5G networks is that EMF is the number one root of all health evils. And so my number one recommendation would be to hire what's called a building biologist to come in and do an EMF assessment of your home or apartment and then listen to them when they tell you how to fix it. And I think for people that are spending a lot of money on supplements and thinking that they're going to fix their health problems by being paleo or vegan or eating organic or whatever, if you could just fix the EMFs in your bedroom, 
<laughs> it, it would probably make a 50%. I'm not even exaggerating. Wow. At least 50% reduction mm. in whatever symptoms you're having. If you live in New York City and you have a cell tower on your building or like right across from your building, especially if you have 5G um, antenna going up, like you, you, it's impossible to be healthy. And I know this from firsthand experience, having unknowingly lived under two giant cell towers for the past three years that were hidden behind a wall that I couldn't. You know, I didn't know they were there. Oh. Um, but yeah, but um, the radiation exposure from cell towers and your cell phone. I mean, right now I have my cell phone in my hand. It's on speakerphone, and you know, it's like, well, what am I going to do? I got, I got to work. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm, I'm willing to take the hit, and it, it is what it is. You know, you can't be paranoid about it. But there are some things you can do, like at least shielding your bedroom. Um, and how that's generally done is with shielding paint that goes under your regular paint. So you'd have your home room painted in shielding plate paint rather, and then you paint over it. You can't see it. And then there's different fabrics you can use to um, build curtains out of or put facing on your curtains so that you create essentially a Faraday cage out of your bedroom. And um, at the very, very least, I would recommend that people do that for their kids' rooms mm. because children are – uh, much more susceptible. Their skulls are much more permeable. They're thinner. They're smaller. They are not equipped to withstand the uh, onslaught of radiation and electromagnetic fields that are being, um, you know, that they're being exposed to. So that would be my number one piece of advice: is building awareness around EMF and then taking steps to mitigate your exposure, at least while you're at home and especially in the bedroom. Wow, I did not expect you to say that, but I'm glad you did. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and um, I, and yeah. for our listeners, you're referring to electromagnetic fields, yeah, EMF. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a few different types. There's radio frequencies, which come from smart meters, cell phones, Wi-Fi, cell towers, and that's a non-ionizing radiation. So, like when you go get an X-ray. That's ionizing radiation. When you go up in an airplane and you're being exposed to the gamma rays of the sun, that's ionizing radiation. When you're at a nuclear power plant and there's a spill, I'm watching the show Chernobyl right now, it's terrifying, uh, that's ionizing radiation. That's the stuff that makes your skin fall off and makes mm. you get cancer in like a month. But there's non-ionizing radiation, which is a much more slower cooking of your cells. And uh, so that's RF. Then you have electrical fields, which come out of the wiring of your house and every appliance that you have. So every time you use your blender, you use a hairdryer, you use any form of electronics, there's an electrical field and there's an electrical field that comes out of every light fixture in your house, every light switch, every plug in the wall, and even emits from the walls up to six feet. So mm -hmm. um, that's the electrical fields. And sometimes those electrical fields also have what's called dirty electricity. And that's when there's airs in the wiring that produce a very chaotic electricity. I feel like I can feel that like when I go into certain spaces and stuff, like it really yeah. it creates anxiety and like, um, yeah. just like a heavy, like I have to get out of here feeling. And yeah. it's so crazy you're saying all of this because since I was a little girl, I've had this obsession with not pretty much not wanting to go into indoor public spaces that have a lot of light, fluorescent lighting and electricity because I get so oh, yeah. overwhelmed. Yeah. That is crazy. I know. I know the feeling. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, you know, some people are more sensitive to it than others. You know, I am in particular very sensitive to EMS, which sucks because not only is there the sort of psychosis of knowing what i know which <laughs> you know, one, it's like 
like a friend of mine told me, he's like, you know, when you're walking through the woods and you see a snake and he, then you, you get startled and you look up close and you realize it's just a rope. Well, you can never walk that same path again and think that it's a snake. You know, it's a rope. And it's like, I can't unknow the levels of radiation in my house once I have someone come out with $20,000 worth of meters and test. So, um, yeah. And, but you know, some of us are affected more by it, but I honestly believe everyone's affected by it. It's just that some people's immune systems are um, compromised. Some people live in a, a more predominant uh, sympathetic nervous system state, so they're more susceptible to it. Some people are more parasympathetic and can handle it better, et cetera. So there, there are nuances to our kind of radiance that we have in our auric field in terms of it being more or less permeable. But the science, the science and data says that these fields do affect us negatively, especially long-term exposure. You know, like so I'm, I'm having an hour-long exposure to, uh, you know, the RF coming off my cell phone, which is about a foot from my face because I don't want the mic to be too far away and make the podcast sound shitty, right? Uh, you know, if I'm doing this, you know, every couple of days, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. But if I'm sitting there for hours and hours making sales calls or something on my mm -hmm. cell phone, especially pressed up to my head, I mean, you pretty much guarantee after a few years you're going to get a tumor on that side of your head. I mean, this is yeah. like pretty commonly known now within the scientific community. Mm -hmm. So um, to, to just wrap up the different types of fields and finish answering your question. So you have the electrical fields, then you have what's called a magnetic field and magnetic fields generally come from things with a motor. So I tested my electric toothbrush the other day and it created a massive magnetic magnetic field that <laughs> went out about uh, two to three feet, which means Whoa. that every time I brush my teeth, I'm frying my brain with this magnetic field. <laughs> oh, and gosh. Wow. For any, and what, here's the first thought I had when I test the electric toothbrush. I still use it. I just, I don't use it every day now. It does, <laughs> there's a certain deep cleaning, you know, but when I had that handheld vibrating device and I was testing, I thought, hmm, do people use any other handheld vibrating devices? And I thought, well, oh my gosh. members of the, the female uh, gender that tend to use small handheld vibrating devices from time to time. And they put them where babies come out of. Oh and that might gosh. be something to consider. Mm, um, interesting. And then, uh, and then there's also magnetic fields that come from like the engine in your car. I tested my car. I have a... BMW X5, and I thought, oh, this should be a safe car. And you test magnetic fields, and it's just, it's off the charts, you know, inside wow. a car. Um, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to do? Not drive or drive like a 1950s pickup truck or something? I like right. my car, so I'm willing to take the hit, but it's good to be aware. And then things like blenders and, and any kind of like uh, devices that have motors, as I said, your, your refrigerator, things like that are going to have a huge magnetic field. There's not a lot you can do about those other than just um, distance yourself because proximity is everything when it comes to EMS. So the closer you are to it, the more damaging. In other words, if I were to hold my phone out three feet from my face, it's probably, you know, 30x less exposure than having it one foot so that's right. the good news is you can create distance um and then uh yeah so that's that's kind of it for those those fields that would exist within your your living space but those are emfs and there are things you can do about it, it gets a little bit expensive but if you own a house i mean you can just work on this piecemeal little by little where you hardwire all your devices to ethernet just get rid of wi-fi if you can't do that like i can't do it right now um because I'm leasing, it's just too big of a project. So I have my Wi-Fi on the timer so that at night uh, at 1 a.m. it shuts off, it turns back on at 7 a.m. It's super easy, so I know at least while I'm sleeping, 
I'm not getting fried with um, radio frequencies, which is a form of, as I said, non-ionizing radiation. So, you know, you, it's a fine line between awareness and paranoia, because on the other side of right. an issue like EMS is the neuroses and the cortisol and the adrenaline that comes from fear, living in fear of like, oh my God, I'm being harmed right now. I think that might be as bad for you, if not worse in some cases, as the actual EMS right. or the non-organic food or whatever thing you're paranoid about. You know what I mean? So I'm always playing this game with myself. Like, okay, am I, am I in fear right now? Is my, you know, am I like, am I having a, a nervous system response or am I just having a cognitive awareness that, Oh wow. Right now, you know, this device is on, it's happening. And I just kind of passively acknowledge that that's happening without, you know, falling uh, prey to the fear and anxiety around that particular exposure. Right. And, and, you know, to kind of transition that too, is just to think I've always come across, and I'm sure you've delved into this a ton is what about like um, our thoughts though? And our, just on that exact same topic, you're saying this, your fear can also be playing into some of the um, negative effects. So what, a, what about the power of our thoughts and maybe even like venturing into the realms of consciousness? Are there ways that metaphysically we can actually go beyond these, these physical limitations. issues and limitations that are arising? Is it possible for us to um, almost in a sense like program our subconscious to protect us from these physical ailments? Yes, absolutely. In fact, I was so curious about this particular phenomenon that I, we're talking about the quantum field at this point, right? So yeah, absolutely. when you observe something, the thing being observed changed by the very fact that you're observing it. That's like a very simplistic effect of one element of, um, of quantum physics of which I am like the furthest thing from an expert, I will humbly admit, but I get the basic premise of it, right? It's like thoughts are things, thoughts have energy, thoughts travel, thoughts go through time and space. You think about someone, they know what you're thinking, they call you, all of that non-linear, non-physical stuff that we call the woo-woo and the esoteric is very much real and is now becoming more verifiable by science. So to your point, I recently interviewed a brilliant man by the name of Dr. Bruce Lipton, who's a pioneer mm, in, I love uh, his work. In, yeah, in biology and epigenetics and, um, and quantum physics. And his whole teaching is about creating your own reality based on your thoughts. I mean, mm. if you just boil down some pretty complex stuff, his book, The Biology Belief, disproves the entire priorly, uh, prior belief of genetics dictating your, uh, your destiny, right? And he disproved that. He's one of many people that have disproved that and talked about this idea of epigenetics that, you know, lifestyle, the way you think, the way you feel affect your genes and the genes that are carried on. And so just because your grandmother had breast cancer doesn't mean you are unless you sit around worrying about getting breast cancer, right? So I talked to him about that. And I said, well, Bruce, I was just living next to these cell towers and it wrecked my life. And I didn't even know that they were there for the first three years I lived in this place. But I still had all the health problems, you know. So how do you reconcile you know, the nocebo or placebo, this is where placebo comes from, is the power of belief. You know, mm -hmm. there's these experiments they've done where they take a placebo group and a regular group and they uh, and they do like fake knee surgery where they cut their knee open and, you know, the person comes out and they think they had surgery and their knee's cured, but they didn't do shit except just cut it open and sew it back together. And then right. they did the real <laughs> surgery on some people and it didn't help them at all. So I asked him about this and he said, well, the theory here, 
or the principle rather than a theory, because it is an axiom, it is a truth, is that the power of belief can actually change reality on a physical level, right? And this is where you get the yogis that could levitate. This is where you get the powers of ESP and telekinesis and all these phenomenon, right? Is the, is the non-local, non-linear, spiritual dimension, energetic dimensions. And so he said, when it comes to something like a cell tower or belief that you have about your grandma having cancer and now you're going to get it, etc., is that you can actually build up essentially an auric field around your body that shields you from um, negative stimuli. And I thought that was so interesting because in the practice of kundalini yoga, of which I've been a student and now a teacher for many years, uh, Yogi Bhajan always talked about so many of the different kriya, meaning so many of the movements and gestures with your hands, the mudra, the mantra, the breath, all of these ancient yogic practices. Um, many of them's whole purpose is to build up your magnetic field. And I always thought that was some spiritual bullshit, to be honest. I was like, ah, whatever. He's, I mean, a lot of stuff he, Yogi Bhajan taught, you're like, really, dude? This goes out to the tenth body in your universe and you're setting your ancestors free by doing this breath. And I'm like, okay, I mean, that sounds like a stretch, Bhajan. Yeah, I gotta be honest. As devotional as I am to the practice, sometimes I'm like, really, dog? But anyway, Bruce Lipton's here going, oh, no, that's a real thing. With um, brilliant photography, you can photograph auras. Anyone that's ever been to Sedona has had it done, you know what I mean? And uh, myself included. So there is something to that, but on one hand, it's like, how many years is it going to take you to become a powerful enough yogi mm. to where you can sit next to a cell tower and have it not affect you? However, I do believe that it's possible. You know, there's a famous story about Ram Das and his guru, um, I was Ramana. I always get their Maharishi. Maharaji. Maharaji. Yeah. Like the, all the Rishis, I always get their names confused. So I'm not going <laughs> to botch it. But anyway. Um, Neem Karoli Baba was his actual name, but they called him some, you know, Maharishi or whatever. Anyway, so Ram Das and Tim Leary, these early pioneers in psychedelics, right? So, uh, you know, he's doing acid for all these years and peyote and psilocybin, all these different psychedelics um, as a means by which to, um, you know, expand his consciousness. Goes to India, goes, takes many, many trips over there. And one of the trips, he, you can find this a talk on YouTube, too, where he tells the story much better than I'm about to. But the essence of it is his guru, of course, knows about the whole SD, LSD thing because he's telepathic and just, you know, he can, like, hear people's thoughts and all this. And so he knows they do this medicine, as he called it. And one day um, his guru asked for a dose of the LSD. And they try to, you know, warn him against it. It's not a good idea. And he kind of demanded that they give him some acid. I think this happened twice, if I'm not mistaken. And they gave him a dose, and it was a big dose, and absolutely nothing happened to the guru. And uh, and then they did it again and gave him even more, if I'm not mistaken, again, and nothing happened. Meaning he didn't come on where your average human, given, you know, I don't know how many, maybe they gave him 10 hits of acid or something, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was really good acid, too, knowing round off. <laughs> Your average person would probably crawling the fucking walls, you know? But here is Neem Karoli Baba just sitting there going, what? I don't get it. This is nothing. <laughs> and, and that speaks to this idea that Bruce Lipton expressed to me on my podcast is that, see, Neem Karoli Baba was already at the level of consciousness that something like LSD or another psychedelic would take a normal person to. So it rendered him impervious to its effects, right? Mm. So 
you can imagine, may, you know, maybe it is possible to get to a place where I could take a bunch of LSD and just sit there and go, nope, nothing's happening, or sit mm-hmm. next to a cell tower or any number of negative stimuli or even just potent stimuli in my environment or in my bloodstream and not suffer the negative consequences or any consequences but fuck man how long did it take him <laughs> curly baba to get to that level you know? right. it's like okay i get it and i truly believe that that is that is the basis of atomic reality right right but at the same time i'm still going to turn my my wi-fi off at night right i'm going <laughs> to right. do my breath work i'm going to do all the things and i'm also going to take precautions and yes. try to be as the least amount bring the least amount of neurosis and anxiety and fear i can to that situation mm. but uh you know it's like uh, a wise man once said trust god tie up your horse you know mm. i like that nice. i like that well, that was an awesome story too so we have so many more questions for you but we're running out of time so to our listeners if you find um luke fascinating is as much as we and do obviously wealth of knowledge <laughs> um, you're gonna have to look him up and follow him um he's got a lot of cool things going on which we'll ask him about in a second but our last question for you luke is with all this passion for experimenting and all this knowledge that you have gained what do you personally hope to leave the world with and maybe just a little snippet on on your life mission <laughs> not not to be, no not to be too deep or anything well, you know it's a, it's a fun like when people talk about legacy, to me, it's always interesting because it's, you know, when you're gone, you don't know that you're gone, mm. uh, perhaps, or or maybe you do. Maybe your spiritual self, your soul is in another dimension, kind of having the awareness that you were embodied here and that you had some sort of an impact. But I guess the point being, it doesn't really matter if you're remembered once you're gone because you, you won't know it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but... I think my life is just really simple, man. It's, I want to leave my campsite cleaner than when I found it. Mm. And so if I can walk in a room and have a little bit of a positive effect on the energy of that room, whether that room be filled with 10,000 people that are coming to hear me talk or that room be filled with, you know, 250 people at the local DMV that are all frustrated and really hating their day, um, that I can just be a light and uh, in terms of being remembered, uh, it would be really beautiful to have had a more positive effect on more people than a negative one. Mm. And part of my journey is really one of redemption, too, because the first half of my life, as I described briefly, briefly earlier, was really based in survival mode and just, um, you know, I, I, mean, I wasn't a horrible person. I think I always had a pretty good heart, but I was very selfish. I, I didn't put others before myself. I put myself before others. And I don't know that I always brought positive energy to a situation. <laughs> I'm sure there are many, many instances in my life where I caused people, um, if, if not pain, at least discomfort. And so part of my, um, my mission is to kind of undo whatever negative karma I might have created early on. I think my karma bank is probably – um, now in in the in the black, you know, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> it's taken 22 years to undo the first 22 or whatever it was, you know. But uh, I, I feel pretty good about that. You know, one way that I can I can tell that's the case is I don't really get things stolen anymore. You know, when, I was, <laughs> when I was a kid, I was a huge klepto, and then in my adult life, people always used to break into my car. Oh wow! This is after I kind of got sober and started meditating and being 
quote unquote a good person. And I used to think like, the fuck, man, I'm a good guy. Why does bad <laughs> stuff always happen to me? Interesting. But there was there was karma and um, you know, and a lot of stereos that needed to get taken out of my various cars <laughs> over the years. <laughs> you know, stuff like that and really horrible shit doesn't tend to happen to me anymore, knock on wood. So I think I'm, I'm getting there. But you know, my mission, man, is really just to continue to heal myself and demonstrate for other people that it is possible to mm. Um, to love yourself and take responsibility for your life. And there are principles, truths, modalities, practices, teachers, teachings available to us that if one learns about and implements and applies in their life, you can heal yourself from just about anything. Absolutely. If not 100% anything. Love it. So that's really my mission is to help alleviate suffering for people that have suffered in ways that I have. Well, we want to affirm you that you're definitely doing that. Yes, yes, yes. So, yes. yes. Uh, Thank you, guys. So, where can our listeners find out more about all this beauty and healing you are doing? Um, You know, all the amazing things you're up to. And if uh, maybe they even want to work with you on a more uh, in-depth level. Sure. Well, there's, you know, the main thing that I do that I think is my... You know, my voice in the world is my podcast. It's called the Lifestylist Podcast. And uh, on that show, which is coming up on its three-year anniversary, I interview a lot of uh, profound spiritual teachers, meditation teachers, biohackers, doctors, health experts. It really runs the gamut from the physical to the metaphysical. And that's kind of my my pride and joy is producing that show. And so far, I've been able to stay really passionate about it for three years, even though I'm, I'm the type of person that kind of jumps at shiny things that fly by a lot you know <laughs> i start a lot of projects that i don't finish but this is one that's kept me interested and passionate and engaged and then my website is lukestory.com everything can be found there i'm most active on instagram which is at lukestory do a lot of stories a lot of live feeds a lot of educational and inspirational posts on there hopefully more of those and retouched selfies of my face telling people how awesome I am. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's like you, there's a fine line on social media between like bragging and being inspirational. <laughs> Hopefully it's more inspirational. And then a project I'm really excited about right now is an online course that I'm in the process of producing, which is called biohack my travel, the jet lag solution. And that's going to be jam packed with 22 years worth of R and D that I've put into making travel suck less. <laughs> and I'm uh, looking forward to launching that soon. There's a wait list for it at lukestory.com forward slash travel. That's lukestory.com forward slash travel if someone wants to get notification of that. And then I'm really excited in July. From July 19th through the 22nd, I will be at the Rama Fest in Mallorca, Spain, doing some talks and workshops over there. And that is a Kundalini uh, yoga festival. Okay. And I've never been to Spain let alone Mallorca. So I'm really excited to go over there and uh, share some of the stuff we've been talking about with some people uh, in that spot in the world. And um, I think that's about it at the moment. Awesome. Right. Awesome. Well, Luke, it's been a really enlightening conversation. And um, I'm definitely going to be looking more into just finding more about how to protect myself from all of the Wi-Fi, um, <laughs> what, it, what pollution that we're getting. But I think yeah. we're doing pretty good out here. Cause, yeah, we're pretty isolated. But but I definitely am curious now, and I do want to know. It's so awesome. um, I encourage our listeners to to look into that as well. And we're just so grateful to have had the so opportunity grateful. to speak to you and wishing you light on your journey and all the success and um, happiness. And, and healing, keep yeah, spreading healing. the light. It's been an absolute pleasure. 
Uh, likewise. Well, thanks for hitting me up and inviting me on the show, you guys. I appreciate. It. I love sharing this stuff, as you can tell. I'm, I mean, I could go for hours, literally. <laughs> so, so my own podcast is an indication of that. Sometimes my shows are like three to four hours. I think I did one that was five oh, minutes, wow. almost six hours. Yeah, I just. Yeah. When when I'm excited about something, I like to share it. So thank you so much for giving me the platform uh, by which to do that today. Mm-hmm.